It's time for the Predator Way Podcast. The show starts now. Yes, sir. Radio. I am your host, Boyd Farish, and I am very excited for this episode as I will be joined in the second segment by the play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Admirals, Aaron Sims. But first, I'll look back at the shaky West Coast road trip and then the two recent wins for the National Predators and the cautious optimism looking ahead. So looking back on the West Coast road trip, over the five games, the Nashville Predators had a record of two wins and three losses and really never looked very comfortable. Each game was inconsistent from the others. Even within individual games, they would play a good period and be trailing, or in some cases, play a really not so good period, but have found a way to have the lead. So really, there was a lack of identity throughout the entire road trip. And at the end, following a pretty difficult loss versus Colorado, there wasn't a lot of good feelings in Nashville Predators land. But as has been known throughout hockey history, there is nothing like a little bit of home cooking as the Predators returned to Nashville and Bridgestone Arena and picked up back-to-back wins versus the New York Rangers and Minnesota Wild. Probably the biggest highlight of those two wins was the really return to form by UC Saros. Over those two games, he allowed only two goals on 68 shots, which landed him a 9.71 save percentage. For a team like the Nashville Predators that is struggling offensively, they will need that level of goaltending. The next biggest highlight over those two wins was the call-up and NHL debut and first NHL goal for Predators forward Yuso Parsonen. He was slotted right into the top six, playing between Mikhail Granlund and Philip Forsberg, and really looked like an NHL player from the start. Over those two games, he's been physical, he's controlled the puck well, sees the play, and looks every bit of an NHL top six forward. Obviously, the big test will be to come over the games ahead to see if he can produce consistently and help bring the Predators' offense forward. Also among the forward group, Matt Duchesne and Mark Jankowski really stepping their game up. Most notably, Matt Duchesne, who has been very good over the last couple games, including scoring the game winner versus Minnesota. He's played fast. He's been physical. He's actually getting to scoring areas. And that's a huge benefit to this Predators team if he's being more impactful offensively. And Mark Jankowski has been kind of a revelation for his game across both ends of the ice. He's been a key penalty killer for the Predators as they have not given up a power play goal over these last two games, which they still take plenty of penalties, so they've been up against it multiple times, including a significant four-minute kill against Minnesota where they were just under assault and just held firm, got some great goaltending, blocked a ton of shots, and Mark Jankowski was one of the key players to that. But as I mentioned earlier, generating offensive chances is still a big problem. 
And for a Predators team that's still not finishing as well as they did last season, it's really creating a lot of pressure on the defense and the goaltending to hold firm and try to win these games 2-1. to one. At this point, as some of the passing has improved and some of the end-to-end execution of the game has improved, it's really looking at the shooting as looking at some of the statistics on NHL.com, the Predators have the fifth most missed shots in the league. So that really takes away from one of the key tenets of their game, which is getting to the front of the net for tips and rebounds. When so many shots are going wide, going high, or getting blocked, it really takes away that part of the game that players like Nino Niederreiter, Tanner Janot, and Yakov Trenin are so good at contributing around the net front. So looking ahead over the next week and through the Thanksgiving holiday, the Predators face a number of significant tests. They will face the Islanders, Tampa Bay Lightning, Detroit Red Wings, and Colorado Avalanche just to get through Thanksgiving. But they do face two struggling teams in the Coyotes and Blue Jackets. So there is a solid opportunity to keep picking up points. And what they will really need to do is keep grinding out some wins while most of these games are at home with an improved defense, superior goaltending, and then just continuing to find better offensive execution. So that will do it for a look at the Predators, and then after the break, I'll bring on Aaron Sims, play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Admirals. Welcome back to the Predator Way podcast on Penalty Box Radio. I am your host, Boyd Farish, and I am very excited to welcome my guest today, who does such a great job on the radio calls for the Milwaukee Admirals. It's Aaron Sims. Welcome to the show, and thanks for taking the time while you're out on a road trip. Yeah, thank you very much, Boyd. It's uh, beautiful Des Moines, Iowa, um, which happens to actually be, it might be my favorite city to visit. Um, The problem is it's a six and a half, six and a half hour bus ride. So that's the, uh, that's the downside of it. And so often when you come to Des Moines, uh, you're in and out. So we travel on Thursday, we play, and then immediately Friday we leave, we get home about four in the morning and we play, get this, Iowa on Saturday night in Milwaukee. Back in Milwaukee. Back in Milwaukee. Yeah. We used to do actually years ago when I started, man, we, uh, we did a home and home with Houston once or twice. So we played in Milwaukee on a Friday, and then we all had to get up early the next morning, go to O'Hare, and fly to Houston to play Saturday. Can't give up those weekend dates in the, as Tristan Grant calls it, the Always Hungry League. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is very true. Well, and it's, and it's funny because in, in my own memory now, anytime I, I hear of a team taking a bus somewhere, my brain immediately goes to, like, Major League and Bull Durham. 100%, and- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just the madness that were the road trips in those movies, and it's probably not quite that crazy anymore. But um, they don't, just... you know what they don't do? It, it's rare anyway, extremely rare. Uh, the seats aren't positioned for card tables like they are in those in those <laughs> movies because everybody has their handheld whatever it is, mm-hmm. whether it's a phone or a uh, whatever the video game. I all of that stuff is out, right? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, there. The guys, the great thing is, though, there is still a card game, but you got to be yeah. real creative in how you sit in the aisle and all of that to, <laughs> yep. to figure out how to play it. I can imagine. I can imagine. It's the 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 the, the one thing that always comes to my mind is uh, 
uh, uh, Tim Robbins walking along the tops of the armrests yeah. of the seats in in, <laughs> in, in Bull Durham, screaming about how he loves winning. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, Doug Agnew was great at that. Uh, at night, he'd have to go to the bathroom and he'd have to go over everybody's legs that were across the hall. Doug Agnew was <laughs> was just the absolute best at climbing the uh, armrests. That's amazing. <laughs> so there's a big night of sports coming up tonight. So who gets top billing on your TV screen? Preds versus Islanders or Packers versus Titans? Uh, it's probably more the hockey um, because uh, I'm quite honestly, football bores me. Uh, <laughs> it's it's every, every year I keep thinking that they should do something to the show to change it up. And it's the same. It's been the same show for 45 you know, my watching mm. for 45 years. And quite honestly, Brent Musburger, Irv Cross and Jimmy the Greek uh, did it at uh, Jane Kennedy Oof. or whoever. They did it better than anybody's doing it now. So um, no argument yeah, there. I, I, yeah. So I know the Predators won because that's the parent club yep. and Islanders because I absolutely adore Lane Lambert. One yeah. of the best one of the best people I know. And uh, it's it's phenomenal to see uh, that the Islanders are off to a pretty good start under him. It's great. Oh, they're they're flying. They've won, was it nine out of their last 11? And so, without anything really from Barzell, which is fantastic, yeah. which is really strange. But uh, yeah, no, Lane, Lane's an unbelievable coach and, and uh, just a great human. So yeah, it's going to be Preds and Islanders. Got it. Hey, that's that's probably where I'll be tonight too. I'll, I'll probably be watching the Preds and probably just following the Titans on Twitter or whatever, and yeah. see where see where that goes. So, a little bit of a right turn to the Milwaukee Admirals. Off yeah. to their own hot start, eight four and 1st in the Central. Uh, certainly, lots of talent on that team. Maybe a bit of a different look than in some of the recent years, where a lot of the talent is up front versus on the back end. So you. Know, from you kind of being around the team day to day, what are you seeing from the team that really kind of stands out maybe over some recent squads? And, you know, is there more of an, more of an it factor that you're seeing? I know it's kind of early, but what's your impression there, of the early season? So in the 1920 season, the Admirals had the best team in the American hockey league and it got shut down mm -hmm. in March yep. when uh, Rudy Gobert discovered uh, the coronavirus, right? So um, we, <laughs> We uh, it, this team reminds me a lot of that club, mm -hmm. um, but it it may be even more effective at forcing turnovers, getting after mm -hmm. pucks, uh, puck possession, all four lines. Um, it's it's really been remarkable to watch. It's a good mix of young and old. What you're seeing in Nashville right now with Parson and uh, kind of epitomizes what the Admirals have been doing. They get in on the pucks. They work hard down low. Jankowski too, for that matter. Mm -hmm. uh, they get down low. Uh, they, you know, the Admirals are averaging about 36 shots a game, leading the American Hockey League in that category. So that leads you to believe. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not big at this level of of trusting the, the fancy stats and all of that stuff. I mm -hmm. just, it's it's harder to do. Uh, yeah. There are some people who do it, and I think that's phenomenal. But I'm. Uh, but the, anyway, that being said, 36 shots on goal. And then I'll ask the coaches afterwards, how many good chances do you, you think you had? And I mean, it's 15 to 20 a night. Like these guys are getting to the right spot. 
doing all the right things uh, defensively. They're getting out of the zone. Um, and and the biggest thing, Boyd, is uh, last year the Admirals took, had the most penalty kills in the league, 311 in 76 games. So a that sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, this year they're still under 30. We're 12 games into the season, mm. still under 30. It's the, it's the least penalized team in the league. So with the shots, it, it, it tells me, one, that the Admirals are possessing the puck a lot. And two, they can skate, they can fly, and uh, and and they don't need to hook, they don't need to hold, they don't need to trip, they don't need to do all of those things. Um, so it's been a it's been a blast so far. It's been a fun brand of hockey. Um, Carl Taylor will tell you that they should have won eleven out of twelve uh, <laughs> this season, um, and on Friday night they get a chance to get after the one that they lost when they take on Iowa. They didn't. Yeah. That's the only one he thought they didn't play very well in, even though it was one of the more entertaining games that you could watch. Carl, yeah. Carl hated it, but <laughs> that, that being said, um, it, it, it is a different team. You know, the, the heavies aren't here. We don't, that we've yeah. had in the past. Um, Navarin Mutter is a guy who's broad shouldered. He's six, three, 200 something pounds. Um, he can be the fighter, uh, but we've only, you know, through 12 games, there's only been two fights. Um, and that was in the same game against Manitoba and it was Mutter and Mark mm-hmm. Del Geiso. So that's right. I remember Del Geiso getting in. A so fight. it's, it's, uh, it's a team that moves the puck. It's a team that jumps into plays. It's a team that's smart. It's a team that, uh, wins the special teams battle pretty much every single night. And that's, that's interesting because of, of, a few of those points that you noted and just sprung into my head of that's what we should be seeing the predators doing. The shots are, are, are one of them. And one of the things that I noted, and it's not just, was, sorry to interrupt. I, I, and I want to make clear, it's not just shots. It's not shots like on that. Yeah. Throwing the puck mm-hmm. from wherever you are. It's like chances. It, yeah. yeah. It's between the circles. It's, you know, it's in the home plate area. Like it's absolutely good chances. So, yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting, the the Predators have the fifth most missed shots in the league. Okay. And when you look at their scoring chances, they're in the bottom 10. High danger chances, they're in the bottom 10. Shots, just shots in general, they're, I think, in the bottom 15. And you start to tabulate some of that up. If, if they were getting to the areas and getting those pucks on net, some of their results might look very different than what kind oh, of sure. inconsistency that has been seen thus far. And you mentioned the 1920 team as well. And I, if I'm remembering correctly, that was Yakov Trenin's last kind of last hurrah in the AHL. He was brilliant here. Yeah. He had, he like, had like 20% 17 percentage. goals in 25 yeah. games or yeah. something. Yeah. His Absolutely shooting percentage. It was, like one, it, was, it was seriously like one out of every four shots. He, yeah. But you know what he did? He stood in front of the net. Mm-hmm. That's yep. He had, I don't know how many that went off the label of a stick that season. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was impressive. He has tremendous great. hands. Yes. For a guy his size, he skates like he does. He has great hands. And nobody loves scoring a goal more than Yakov Trenin. <laughs> Especially it's... on the road. The, <laughs> the, the on the road, leaping into the boards yeah. might be my favorite celebration of any player. I, I, that's I love it. I, that's a guy I adore. He's one of the more in- interesting guys you could ever talk to. I, he's fantastic. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, so looking into kind of a couple different players that I know the Nashville audience would be certainly interested to hear about from, from your perspective up front, 
uh, Philip Tomasino and Luke Evangelista. Obviously, yeah. Tomasino, everybody thought he would be on the NHL roster. Didn't work out that way. Working his way back has, at least from a bit of a distance, looked like he's played pretty well so far. Has Certainly has the goals. So that's that's a positive sign. I guess, what have you seen from those two especially so far in the season? Phil has been fa a fantastic teammate. Phil, uh, you know, I'm not around all the time. Um, Phil always stops to say hi when he sees me and he's smiling. Um, it, the first couple of games, and I think it probably could be said for everybody because they were still trying to wade their way through the waters of, of what's going to happen in the American Hockey League. Um, I didn't notice him. Since then, he's been phenomenal. Um, I I don't know how long he's going to be here. I'd like to think for a little longer, just because um, I, I, I would like to see the gas tank get completely full for him when it comes mm -hmm. to confidence, if, if I can use that weak yep. analogy. Um, I, I think that he's not far from being a guy who can who can realize it. I mean, you, you got to remember, man, we've, we've had, uh, you know, guys who may have been here for uh, people, you know, people in Nashville are like, well, why is he still there? Why is he still there uh, over the years? I mean, I've been here since 2005, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I had Shea Weber, you know, yeah. and, and Shea Weber was doing great things and he went up, he came back, he went up and then he stayed. Um, you know, we've had, we've had guys like that in the past and, I, I think it's credited to Ron Hextall. You, you don't get worse playing in the American Hockey League. Yep, and, sure. Um, where with Phil, I he I don't think he's far. Uh, he's been having because of the call ups of Parson and and uh, Jan, uh, Jankowski. He's had to move to center. Uh, I've noticed he's done, that he's done pretty well there too. Um, Which he played a good bit of time in juniors at center, yes, but yes, that's not an uncommon I, transition from center to wing when you get to the upper ranks. Exactly right. Exactly right. Depending on how you want to play, if he's the first one in all of that stuff, right. Getting to the corners, all of that. Uh, Phil's been great. He's really been great. Um, I, I don't have much to, to compare to because I didn't see all 76 games he played last year. And I don't think I, I checked that. I saw one game he played in the, COVID year that the Admirals didn't play. Yep. So, um, but what I see is a guy that gets to where he needs to get to. He's got a great shot. Mm -hmm. He's smart. Um, he, you know, I, I talked to him about uh, disappointment and how he's handling all of this stuff. And he says, listen, I, I was the 14th forward on team Canada and I was upset, you know, but I'm, I wasn't going to play. And then things shook out and all of a sudden I'm a key part of, of Team Canada at the World Juniors. He was Juniors. great. He was and, great. Yeah. So I'm like he has a great perspective on this. Like, it, you know, um, so I I think I think this is doing him a lot of good. Um, I don't think he he is unquestionably a guy who drives this team. Yeah. Whereas in Nashville, maybe he's if he has an off night. Maybe he's down to 11, 10 minutes a night, and yep. you're not going to see him for long stretches. It's a it's a different game. Here you can stretch him out a little bit more. So I think Phil is really benefiting from the fact that no matter what, like a baseball pitcher, every fifth day I'm going to get six innings. And I think yep. Phil is in that spot right now here in Milwaukee. Come Christmas time, maybe he's not here anymore. But yep. but right now I think he's in a really good spot with all of that. So I, I, I apologize for being so long-winded. No, great. Um, no, that that's fantastic. So so with Luke, 
two years ago, Luke, the, the OHL was canceled, right? So he ends mm-hmm. up in Chicago, plays 14 games, um, and, and was just small. Like, it was his draft yeah. oh, year, yeah. you know. I think um, he was all of about 160 pounds soaking if wet. If that, if that. Yeah. And uh, so he goes back to juniors, but now he's got all these tricks that the, the, the professional hockey players do. Goes back to juniors. He plays for the Hunters in London. Those guys know about getting to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He scores 55. And everybody, and so immediately you think, okay, this guy's going to do this at the next level. Um, you know, Claude Noel years ago told me, if you're counting on rookies, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and unless and, your rookie is Connor McDavid, yeah. yeah but but even there, like right, like mm-hmm. how far is it how far has he gotten them so far? That's true. Um, they still haven't raised the cup since Mark Messier. So um so anyway, so with Luke, you're like, okay, 55 goals. And so then I'm telling myself, well, ah, he did it as a 20-year-old. He had the pro experience. Now he's going back to juniors and he's playing against 17-year-olds, and that's a big difference. Blah, I'm telling all my, myself all of that stuff you know what? He's been magnificent. And I remember after the first game, the Admirals played in Chicago and they win. Yeah. That was a big win. And, and Luke, Luke played, Luke's been playing with lately with Tommy Novak and Cole Schneider. I think it's Uh, a great, great matchup for him. That exactly right. That's uh, that's everything you would want in, in a, in, in two line mates there in a center and a left wing. But I remember Carl Taylor says to me after the game, you know, Luke Evangelista made every right decision in that game. Every decision he made was correct, but it was a second late. Mm-hmm. Everything he did, but it was a second late. And now it's not. Now it's not a yeah. second late anymore. Now he's doing everything. Man, when Jordan Gross was gone, when he was called up, uh, the Admirals put five forwards on the power play, and Luke was the guy up high. Mm-hmm. Um, they trusted him that much to make the right decisions. Um that little, and I know it's been written about a lot because I've seen a lot of tweets about it in back in September, that little curl he has with his stick where he comes, he brings that forehand and pulls it into his body yep. to dance around a defender. Um, he makes it work, and he can he can release that puck. Um, smart player, and there too, he's, he's not – he scored a goal against Texas where he was right – on the doorstep like it was the first shot went off the pad of the goalie he's he's the smallest guy one of the smallest guys out there and he's getting the rebound off the left pad of a goaltender to put it into the net so um he's he's there too another guy like this this might be and and i don't want it to sound get deal in hyperbole here but this might be the best group i mean you parson and my goodness the rookies here are incredible this season they really are. And, and I mean, and I've had pretty much anybody from Nashville I've, I've been with, right. Yep. Back to Shea Weber, yep. um, Pekka Rene, uh, Yossi you know, and Forsberg. Radula, all, uh, Yossi, yeah. Exactly. Um, this collectively might be the best group that they've had. They're, they're ready. Um, I, I look at what Parson and does. I, I don't think, I, I take that back. I think we might see him back for a game or two, but then I don't think we see him again. Um, it was, it was, I think his first game in Nashville and he was just a menace for checking. Yeah. And yeah. my, my comparison, the stereotypical Finn. Very, absolutely. Right. And my, my comparison, and I know this is wildly unfair for someone his age, just watching him play as he reminds me of Mark Stone. I've got no problem with that. 
I mean, he's just big, relentless. Relentless. He's got some offensive game, and he's relentless. Yeah, and he I, turns pucks over all yeah. the time. Yeah, and just. I mean, the fact that he walked into basically the top line of an NHL team for his first game and just the goal he scored just blowing through yeah. Alexi Lafreniere, a number one overall pick himself. Yeah. And, I mean, that was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, he did that against uh, – was it against – I? no, it, it was not long before that, maybe against Chicago. He bullied his way to the net. It was almost the same goal. Um that that he scored right before he was called up. Um, he's been terrific, and and there too, like he's been a center here, mm-hmm. um, and his faceoffs have gotten a hundred percent better than they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, and and Carl Taylor calls him a pro, and and Carl yep. like that's the ultimate compliment you can get from anybody it, that Yusuf Parson is a pro. Uh, he he has the eye of the tiger, so to speak, right? Like he, his, his eyes are on the prize. Like we've mm-hmm. had some guys like that here that you just knew, like years ago, Nick Spalling, uh, you knew everything he did had a purpose. Yeah. You see, you see Soros when he was here, everything he did had a purpose. These are guys that I remember very well. Like, like they weren't taking a playoff in practice. They were yep. every, everything they did. And Yuso Parson is the latest in that group. Yeah, that's great. I mean, on on the the faceoff front again. In his first game, he took a defensive zone faceoff with 37 seconds left. Yeah, protecting a one goal guy. lead. Yeah, and he you won it. This guy, you and he went out and won guy. it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's been really amazing to watch. Um, shifting a little bit to the defensive side, where I think players that maybe don't have as much notoriety, but people in Nashville really probably should know about Mark Del Gaizo and Spencer yeah. Stasny. Yeah. Uh, Del Gaizo is such a leader. He's such a bulldog. He's such a, um, I'm trying, you know, I comparing things, right. Um, like I think he is a rich man's Greg Zanin. Okay. Like I, I, he, he's a smaller defenseman. But he's not afraid to mix oh, it he's up. He's feisty. He, yeah, uh, he makes the passes. He can skate. Um, if he's six three, he's in the NHL right now. Yeah, uh, I can see that. You know, thank goodness the game is where it is right now because there is a spot for a guy like him. Um, he's going to play games in the National Hockey League. He's, you know, he's just his second year, and and he is really. Like he's he's living in Colin Blackwell's house this year, is what I'm told. So Colin Blackwell <laughs> bought a house in Milwaukee, yep. and he plays for Chicago now, right? So Mark is renting it out, and he's got two rookies living with him. So Mark is like the big brother in this group, and it's it's just fitting. Like he's yep. there too. He's he's really serious about his game. Um, he takes no guff from anybody. Um, he's you love watching the guy play. Uh, he's he's solid in every sense of the word and he's you know one thing nashville has done for years in milwaukee is they've paired a prospect with a really good player that kind of complements them very well a few years ago uh they brought in jared tenorti to play with alex carrier Mm -hmm. and it was fantastic for both of them yeah um this year they're doing that with mark with uh, roland McEwen. 
Yep. Uh, Roland McEwen's a former second round pick. He's played just a handful of games in the NHL, but he's been in this league. He's almost got 400 games in the American. Yeah, he's Army. he's been a pro for a while now. Yeah, and and just a good person and um so those two guys are really rolling right now as a as a pair out there. Um yeah, Mark Mark, I can't say enough good things about about Mark. He's a coach's kid, uh, all of these things, right? His his family, his whole family plays. He's phenomenal. Uh, Spencer Stasny uh, might be the best skating player we've had in Milwaukee. Um, wow. He is unbelievable. And, like, you notice it. Like, I'm, I don't fancy myself a skating expert, but when you watch him, it's like watching me and watching Dorothy Hamill or something. Like, you know, you can, <laughs> you can see that's a dated reference, I understand. <laughs> Uh, but I don't I know it. any. I don't know any recent figure skaters really. Uh, <laughs> but he's uh, he he's so smooth there too. He makes good decisions. He's not the biggest guy. He's not going to throw hands. Um, but he makes things happen with his feet, with his skating, with his head. Uh, he's made a couple of plays down here that uh, guys just don't make and yeah. at, at this level and. Uh, He's he's been fun to watch, and there too, like he's been put on his offhand. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's playing a lot on the right side, and and he's doing very well. So it's and and offensively, he may prefer it because then he can do the move to your backhand, skate yeah. away, keep the puck away, and, mm-hmm. and skate toward the net and make these plays that he has been making here in the last half dozen games. He's he's been great. Yeah, he's he was he was fun to watch, I think, especially in training camp, because being a, a college player, it's just you, you don't get as much connection to seeing him while he was at Notre Dame as you do right. someone right. in juniors who right. are, you know, constantly, you know, more more purposefully played up. So it was really interesting to see him in person and sort of yeah, see some of the same things. He's a tremendous skater. Yeah, and I mean the the only player that I can think of offhand that had like that just smooth burst was like maybe Anthony Richard of when he would go chase a puck, it looked like he was shot out of a cannon. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd go along with that. Yeah, Rich. Yeah, Richie. I, they're, they're too a guy like I. He's doing well in Laval, so it's good for mm-hmm. him. So I couldn't have a conversation without with a. Uh, with you about the admirals without bringing up Yaroslav Askarov and some of his statistical performances have been a little shaky, obviously rookie in the AHL playing goalie. Um, But I guess, you know, what are you seeing from him on the ice kind of watching his game take shape and how, how he's performing? Those things that you guys all knew, the, the athleticism, the, all of that, the quickness, how he anticipates plays, all of these things, all of that is there. Um, he plays the puck extremely well, extremely well. Um, I asked somebody the other day um, if he plays it too much. And I don't know that, I don't know that that is really possible. I think coaches and teammates, if, if a goalie can get to the puck, make the play and and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. But some of these situations, uh, he's put himself kind of in a bad spot. He'll go behind the net and play the puck, and maybe he doesn't deal with it as urgently as he should, whether Mm -hmm. that's because he only played a handful of games last season on a bigger sheet of ice 
whether whatever it might, whether he's very uh, confident in his abilities to play the puck. There are a few times this season where he, in in my estimation, he did not play the puck as urgently as he needed to. And then it's a turnover, and then we're hemmed into the zone, and that's when a goal comes. Yep. Um, so at the end of the night, he might get the win, but he has stopped 18 out of 22 or something yep. like that, right? Um, so that that's really – and again, I'm no goaltending coach – all of this stuff. It's just based, this is off of my feeling and, 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 and mm-hmm. things that I've run by a few people who observe too. And, uh, and, and yeah, I, but that's going to come too. like Pekka wasn't the greatest puck. Pekka was pretty good, but he wasn't the best puck handler. And he, you know, he would get himself into trouble 17 years ago when he started out, you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's not uncommon. So those things will work out. And again, it might be the smaller sheet of ice. It might be the fact that he played 15 games all of last season between like the minors months, and the KHL yeah. last year um, and and sat for how many months after the fact. So um, he's getting the chance to play. Uh, he's uh, He and Devin Cooley are a really good tandem here. That's and, a great tandem. That's and, uh, yeah, the athletics is off the charts. It's off the charts. Um so yeah, it's uh, he's he's exciting to watch. There's no doubt. There's no doubt he's going to win a lot of games. Um, it's going to be interesting actually, because right now with with Yaroslav with uh, Kochekov in Chicago, now he's up in Carolina right now. Uh, Sebastian Kosa in Grand Rapids and Jesper Volstead in yep. Iowa. You could very well say that in five years, the four best goalies in the National Hockey League were playing eight to 12 games against each other in the central division of the American hockey <laughs> league, all, all between the ages of 19 and 21, mm-hmm. which is, is really remarkable. That's, so every, every night, every night you're seeing a show from some phenomenally gifted, almost teenager. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. It is. It is crazy to think about how many really, really highly touted prospects are playing in the AHL right now. And yeah, you know, some are probably a little closer than others to being ready for NHL time. I mean, Kochetkov's already had a little bit. Yep. But, yeah. you know, and like you said, in the next two to three years, they might all be manning NHL nets. And that's yeah. just yeah. pretty, pretty fascinating. So I kind of want to wrap up with some thoughts on Carl Taylor. And yeah. as the Predators have scuffled a little bit to the start of the season and John Hines, depending on who you ask, either was or wasn't the right hire or is or isn't the right coach. And that's a whole rabbit hole unto itself. But a, a a common narrative then becomes is, is Carl Taylor the next coach for the Predators? And maybe not that specifically, but what do you see from Carl Taylor that translates maybe to a future as an NHL coach? He uh, has the respect of his players, and what's more, he respects his players. Um, he really believes in giving them the room. Uh, he really believes in asking uh, how your dog is, how is your mom and dad, how, you know, he uh, he wants to know these things. Um, he's, he's, he, he, uh, he, you can tell how much he cares for his team, how much he cares for his players. Um, he doesn't have to do the gra- the garbage can kick 
or hey, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't Shorzy or, or anything like that, right? <laughs> uh, so he, he all, all of these things, right? Like he has um, he he's a he's a teacher. Like he he has uh, he he didn't play in the NHL. Um, he didn't play beyond major junior. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a teacher and, and it really shows. And I think those guys can thrive in this environment. Now um, you don't need to have played 2000 games in the NHL. Uh, players want to be coached. Players yep. need to be coached. And Carl is able to reach them. And he makes you, he, he, he makes a player want to do well for, the team for themselves, for the coach, for whatever, you know, for whatever it might be. Um, he's really, really sharp. And he's really in tune with the emotions of the game. He's really in tune with uh, the future of the game. He's really in tune with, um, he, he does a good job adapting to what he has. Um, and, and everybody has a role and he's quick to say he doesn't like first line, second line, third line, fourth line, because in his ideal world, this happened in the 1920 season and it's happening this season through 12 games. Everybody is going to play 12 to 16 minutes a night. Yep. And they're all expected and, to produce. Exactly. And, and, that's the best for everybody. If that, if it's going like that, then we're probably beating somebody five to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's been happening a lot. And the guys respect that. And the guys who play um, know that they need to keep going. The guys who aren't playing understand why. Carl makes sure that they're still, their heads are in it. You know, we've got mm-hmm. a guy here that hasn't played any game this year, 12 games he hasn't played. Last year he was a big part of this thing. Um but we have good players, right? Really good players right now. And it's just, that's just the way it is. Um, but those guys aren't forgotten. I've heard horror stories, um, I guess more college football wise, but if you're injured, the coach has no idea who you are. Yep. You know, uh, that, that has, it's happened. almost like, it's almost like coaches treat some of those players as like bad juju. You're if not I, helping me. I'm yeah. not going to help you. Yeah. And, um, and, and that, that hasn't been the case. Um, you know, Carl, Carl moved to the community, right? Like his family is there, his, his kids, his wife. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just, I, I can't say enough good things about, about the way he coaches and, and the success he's had. I mean, his resume, just the wins and the losses on his resume, just take a look at that. I mean, that, that yeah. tells you a, a lot right there. It tells you a lot that when he went up to Nashville with Scott Ford that they won two games last during COVID yep. last season um he he can get things out of guys uh he's he's an impressive man he's an impressive coach i i i i, I love working with him yeah i had the opportunity to watch when he ran some of the development camp and training camp practices mm-hmm. and just seeing i mean he's the guys are are going they know it you yeah know, you 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 take your turn you hustle back to line you're ready to go on your next shift you're ready to go for your next drill and he he runs it tight and you could tell the the players knew the players understood this is how we're going to go we're going to get our work in and we're going to be done yeah but but we're going to go hard the whole time yep 
Yep, exactly. Yeah, he's you know, there's no two hour practices, right? There's <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, and there too, practice with a purpose, and let's go home. And yep. that's and he does. And then he and the rest of the coaches stick around for another three four hours watching video <laughs> or or talking to players if they need to or whatever yep. the case might be right like it's it's not uncommon where i'll walk into the coach's office and they'll be like ah carl's out with somebody and i mean the, the other day um i went in looking for carl to do my pregame interview and he was off 40 minutes somewhere talking with phil tomasino about stuff so i mean wow. it's that's you know that's that's i don't want that that happens you know yeah. I mean, it's that's just the way it goes, and it's it's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Well, just like practice, we'll get out of here. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Predator Way podcast on Penalty Box Radio. I am your host, Boyd Farish. Once again, a big thank you to Aaron Sims for joining me today and providing his insight on the Milwaukee Admirals. You can find me on Twitter at Boyd underscore 1212 and my written work on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. And you can find Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Admirals and hear him calling the Admirals tomorrow night versus the Iowa Wild at 7 p.m. Central. So, Aaron, thank you again for joining. Really appreciate it and hope to talk to you again soon. I look forward to it. This was fun. Thank you, Boyd. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and be well.